So we're uh, here again on the panic attack with Big John. I wasn't planning on doing this uh, second podcast of the day, but I remembered that uh, today was WWE's Money in the Bank pay-per-view, or if you call them that anymore. Uh, it was and it was followed by uh, Last Ride, which is a mini series uh, documenting the Undertaker, and that was pretty interesting. I just finished watching it. Um, today was an emotional day. Um, before I go any further, uh, remember to uh, like the video, share the video, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Also, um, same thing on the Anchor app. You know, hit hit favorite, favorite, uh, however you want to say that, uh, and share with your friends on social media. Um, and so, yeah, today it was uh, Mother's Day uh, here in the United States. I don't know what they do in other parts of the world if they celebrate Mother's Day the same day we do, or if they have other holidays, or if they even have holidays to honor your mother. Um, so right after spending time and uh, having dinner with my mother, which, you know, usually we go out to, uh, you know, everybody takes their mom out to a restaurant on Mother's Day. Uh, this year, most restaurants are still closed up. Uh, so we had to order takeout. And so we ate um, dinner at her house and then... Uh, her dog and my dog played together. Then I come home and get ready for this uh, wrestling, kind of getting ready to have a nap or something in between. Um, and I see on Facebook that uh, a friend of mine had passed away. And this is what sucks about this world is... Um, I mean, he wasn't, you know, my bestest friendest, but he was friend enough that um, I would have thought some mutual friends would have called me or texted me and said that he passed. Instead, I seen it kind of on a another friend's Facebook page, and you know, I started calling people because I couldn't believe it, you know. Um, but he, he had been sick for, uh, many, many years and he was older than I am at least 10, 10 or 15 years older than me. Um, and you know, he had severe arthritis, had multiple heart complications, um, it just, 
you know, he, he's resting in peace now, but it's, it's still a shock, shock to the system, uh, how, you know, you can be here one minute and gone the next, um, I, uh, well, just last week, the father of some kids I went to high school with, he passed away, and I was like, I didn't even know he was, he was ill, and they're like, yeah, literally a week before he died, they found out he had a very advanced stage cancer, and within a week, he was dead, um, you know, I'm like, man, I was just sitting next to him at a meeting, like, in January, and then all this, you know, quarantine and lockdown bullshit started, but, you know, a guy finds out he has cancer, and then a week later, he's gone, you know, very, very scary, um, his wife had a battle with cancer, and, uh, they thought she survived. I mean, she did. She beat it once, but it came back. I didn't even know she passed away until uh, I read his obituary and it said proceeded in death. It's like, man, people, people pass and it happens so frequently, uh, you don't even hear about it, don't even know about it, you know? We find things out through social media, through maybe like a distant friend, um, you know, and it just sucks. Um, so I, I guess the moral to the story is, you know, make sure you tell your friends you love them. Make sure you use your smartphones and the technology at hand to keep in touch with those people. Um, you know, it's just one of those things. One of them things. Um, so let's just take a moment of silence to remember our friends that have passed before us. Amen. So, after that, and it's kind of hard to get excited about WWE now that I've finally taken a moment to take things in. Um, so, anyways, I don't want this to all be morbid. Um, tonight, the WWE put on its Money in the Bank show. And... It was a, overall a good wrestling show. Um, every match was solid. Every, you know, thing was, it was just good. It wasn't like some, there wasn't anything that knocked your socks off. But, you know, for wrestling that's being filmed in an empty studio, uh, it was great. 
Um, the money in the bank match itself <clears throat> was the most entertaining thing I've seen since um, Bray Wyatt and John Cena's uh, WrestleMania segment. Can't even call it a match. It was just a, a segment. Um, but it was entertaining. And so was this year's Money in the Bank match. We'll get to that later. On the pre-show, you had... I thought this match was more... Was deserving of... Should have been somewhere other than the pre-show. Should have been somewhere in the middle of the card. To be honest with you. Um, if you were going to put... Well, we'll get to that later. This match was uh, Jeff Hardy making his umpteenth comeback from uh, drug and alcohol abuse uh, versus Cesaro. And you really felt like, or at least I felt like this wasn't a fitting return for, for Jeff Hardy. But, again, in the time and the situation where, you know, everything's locked down and WWE just barely got permission to go on and film matches. Um, and there were, um, you know, there was a possibility this show may not even take place at all. Because of the quarantine situation in Florida. Um, which is bullshit. Everything should be. Reopened by now. But it's not. So we have what we have. Uh, both guys got all their moves in. You know Jeff did his you know flippy shit off the top rope. Um, I, I think his character, his gimmick though, needs to change in some way. Um, you know, in AEW, you have his brother Matt doing his broken Matt Hardy gimmick, uh, where he comes out talking with a British accent and... Uh, you know, he does interviews from his home where he calls his lawn, his riding lawnmower, the mower of lawns. Uh, he has a drone that has a catchy, like, British nickname. I forget what it's called. But, you know, Jeff needs to switch up maybe to the brother Nero character, like he was doing in, um, TNA Impact Wrestling. But it, overall, I mean, it was just a good match. It was solid. Uh, Cesaro and Jeff Hardy are both great wrestlers when they're on their game. But it was nothing that made me really go, wow, Jeff Hardy's back. You know, he did his usual move set. Um, and that was kind of it. Um, next, we had the Fatal 4-Way match with tag team 
match with title implications. Um, you had the New Day, um, um, Kofi Kingston and Big E versus Lucha House Party. I don't know who they are. Uh, versus The Miz and John Morrison. They don't have a nickname for their tag team. Versus the Forgotten Sons of Anarchy. Um, these sons, these Forgotten Sons, pardon me. Uh, you know, they had to introduce somebody new to the tag team division. But, again, they're a Sons of Anarchy knockoff. So, I, I, I have a hard time getting into them. But, it was a good match. You had the, you know, Kofi, John Morrison... And then both members of the Lucha House Party did their high spots. So there were a lot of, you know, high-flying moves in this. Um, John Morrison and one of the members of Lucha House Party did a spot off the top rope where Morrison started out on this side and Lucha House Party guy was on this side and Morrison did a backflip and... The Lucha House Party guy did a front flip and they landed on all of the other wrestlers who were standing at ringside in a convenient uh, cushion-ish thing to catch them. But, you know, they basically switched places in midair uh, and you don't know who got hurt. And, you know, in those kind of moves, it's like, how does the guy giving the move not get hurt as bad as the guy taking the move. But uh, it was overall, it was a good match, like I said. Um, the Lucha House Party took the pin, which that was kind of what we thought going in, that they were just in this match to get pinned so that, you know, the, uh, the up-and-coming tag team, the Forgotten Sons, they're not actually called the Forgotten Sons of Anarchy. That's just what I make fun of them and call them. Uh, the Forgotten... They don't want to, you know, hurt the Forgotten Sons push. They, of course, can't make the tag team champions lose. And you don't want to see the Miz and Morrison uh, lose either because they're a top tag team. So the Lucha House Party was there to take the fall. Uh, next, they had the SmackDown Women's Championship I'm a lot disappointed that the Raw Women's Championship was not defended on this show. Um, now, tomorrow night, dang it, uh, tomorrow night on Raw, um, Becky Lynch will wrestle the winner of this match, or of the Women's Money in the Bank match, but um, I think they could have her in a feud with someone right now. The women's roster is deep. You have um, the Iconics, who they're not using. You have Liv Morgan, who it, 
had a brief run with her Riot Squad, former Riot Squad partner, Ruby Riot. And then she, then Liv lost to Charlotte Flair, the NXT Women's Champion. Why not have, you know, after <coughs> Liv beat Ruby two weeks in a row, have her take a feud with Becky Lynch, even though she's not ready for it, you could build her up even though she loses to Becky Lynch. Uh, Becky is probably the most popular person in the company right now. But nonetheless, we got um, Tamina Snuka versus Bailey for the SmackDown Women's Championship. Um, Tamina as well as Nia Jax, need makeovers, okay? Tamina's not as... not as bad as Nia, but, you know, her... Tamina's, like, frizzy, curly hair, like, needs to go, and they both need better ring attire that's more flattering to and more feminine, Looking, I don't even know how to describe Tamina's ring attire, but it just needs to be better. I mean, you've had a lot of big girls in wrestling that, you know, don't come out there with, you know, long tights and like some kind of a vest over top of it that comes to a point down by their knees. Uh, it's just not flattering for her uh, physique. Um, but nonetheless, it was a good match. Bailey came out, uh, was kind of dominating for a while. And then Nia got her offense in and started getting on a roll. And then uh, right about the time Tamina was pinning Bailey. Sasha Banks started to slide into the ring. And, of course, Tamina, you know, caught her with, like, a dirty look. And then, uh, ultimately, Sasha interfered and helped uh, Bailey get a crucifix roll-up to pin Tamina Snuka. And just like every match on this card, it was just a good wrestling match. You know, it wasn't anything outstanding, there wasn't a lot there that made you go ooh and ah, but it was just a good wrestling match. Uh, I Well, before that match, I skipped over this. You had what I called the time filler match. Now, this, could, this should have been Jeff Hardy and Cesaro's match. And R-Truth versus Bobby Lashley should have been on the pre-show. Okay. But nonetheless, you have R-Truth come out, and he's doing his thing on the mic, trying to get the crowd hyped up as if he doesn't realize that there is no crowd. <laughs> um, so R-Truth is certainly the most entertaining guy in wrestling right now. Um, from just... Uh, a comedic 
point of view. He's very, very uh, entertaining and charismatic. I, I really enjoy what he does. So he came out, and then M MVP Mon Montel Vontavious Porter comes down to the ring, and they like it's they're talking shit to each other on the microphone, which was kind of stupid because Mont MVP doesn't have our truths entertainment entertaining ability so it was a, a mismatch there uh then and then out comes bobby lashley i thought oh this is going to be some kind of three-way match and then ends up mvp says i'm taking the night off and uh it ends up being our truth versus bobby lashley um I forget what Bobby Lashley's gimmick nickname is. It's something stupid. Uh, anyways, that doesn't matter. I was going to say I don't like it because it has religious undertones. But this was just a time filler match. The whole show went from like 7. The main show started at 7 and went to 9.30. So it was a very short pay-per-view by WWE standards. Uh, as of late, which was good. I mean, it was, it was nice to have a pay-per-view that moved quickly. Uh, next, we had Bray Wyatt. And by Bray Wyatt, I don't mean The Fiend. This was just Bray Wyatt. Uh, he came out to uh, fight Braun Strowman for the Universal title. Uh this match, like like all of them, it was a good wrestling match. Uh, you know, there was good offense from both guys. I really thought that Bray Wyatt was going to win, and then at one sh at one point, Braun Strowman puts on the black sheep mask that he wore. When he was a member of the Wyatt family. And he and Bray Wyatt embrace. Uh, you know, Braun gets down on his knees as if to worship Bray Wyatt. <coughs> and then Braun slowly takes off the black sheep mask. Oh, I forgot. Bray Wyatt's puppets from the Firefly Funhouse made appearances during this match. Uh, first, it was Huskus the Hog. Then, uh, you saw that... I don't know what the hell it is. Some kind of bird. Um, and then the witch, Sister Abigail, I think it is. Or some kind of... Whatever the witch one is. Um, you know, they were all at ringside welcoming... Braun Strowman back to the family. <coughs> well, then Braun slowly takes off the sheep mask. You know, throws it on the, the canvas and proceeds to stomp on it. At which point, you know, he picks Braun up, does the running power slam for the one, two, three. Now this... Um, 
I mean, at first it was disappointing, but when you think about the the strategy, they don't know when Roman Reigns, their quote-unquote golden boy, is coming back. Uh, Roman has a weak immune system, but he's also openly said that he's taking this time off with the you know lockdowns and stay at home orders and blah 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 to spend quality time with his family he initially backed out of wrestlemania because of health concerns because of his weak immune system from leukemia um, and he's staying you know sheltered in place as people with weak immune systems should be right now but the WWE is kind of starting to move away from him as their top guy because now they see that because of his compromised immune system and his leukemia, which it's a, it goes into remission, but it can also come back at any time. So now they, I think they're moving away from him a little bit as the next top guy and giving some of these other guys a top spot so <clears throat> the good thing of Bray losing this match is he lost the match as Bray Wyatt and he throughout the match referred <clears throat> to him he is going to be so happy you can't, when he says he or him, he's referring to the fiend. So now, since Bray Wyatt couldn't get the job done, the fiend can now come up. And, you know, Bray Wyatt, you know, had his offense. He had his, his moments, but it was a good, it was just a wrestling match. When Bray Wyatt puts on the fiend mask and persona he suddenly becomes capable of inhuman things uh, a higher threshold of pain he goes to a different place you know mentally and then of course that go takes him to a different place physically uh, and things like that so now they can start a feud between Braun Strowman and the fiend so they can keep this going for a while longer remember how long braun Strowman and roman reigns feuded okay it's going to be another thing like that i hope where braun and the fiend go back and forth and maybe bray wyatt goes back and forth between personas too you know he comes out sometimes as Bray Wyatt, uh, maybe sometimes he'll come out as the crazy, you know, Cajun swamp eater guy, eater of worlds, Bray Wyatt, maybe, um, and then other times he'll come out as the fiend and fight Braun Strowman, so there are a lot of directions they can go here, so even though Bray lost, he didn't, it didn't blow, it wasn't a blow-off match for the feud. Um, then we had our 
we had our uh, WWE Championship match. This match, um, it was it's Seth Rollins who's doing this Monday Night Messiah gimmick, which I hate. I don't. I just don't like it. Um, you know, he basically has put himself in a place where he felt like he needed to relieve um, Drew McIntyre of the duties and stress of being the WWE champion. And I, I just don't get this. He wears a black glove on one hand. They show, you know, like plate glass window portraits of uh, Seth Rollins. Seth Rollins was way over, was way popular just being a really good wrestler with a really good personality and microphone skills. He doesn't need this like cult leader, I'm the Messiah of Monday Night Raw gimmick. Um, so, you know, he could get over just being Seth Rollins turned up to 10. He's got, you know, good ring skills. He's got, you know, mat skills, high flying skills, you know, all those things. And he's good on the microphone. He doesn't need a character or a gimmick. But this was a back and forth match. And right when I was like, man, okay, this is another good match they started to pick things up uh at halfway through and they started you know a little bit quicker more you know back and forth as soon as drew mcintyre started to get offense in seth would cut him off with something and as soon as seth started to get the upper hand then drew would cut him off so it ended up being a really really good match and you really didn't know, again, you didn't know who was going to win. Just like the Bray Wyatt versus Braun Strowman, you would say, well, why would they put the belt on Braun and have him then lose it, you know, basically a week or two later, um, or a month later, whatever. Um, and, you know, Drew McIntyre just became world or WWE champion. Uh, you know, why would they put the belt on him and take it off so quick? But you just don't know with WWE right now what direction they're going to go with the characters. So, what they did, you know, Seth lost. Now, will Bray move, or will Drew McIntyre move on to another feud? Um, I'd like to see it. Uh, you know, there are a lot of guys that deserve to get moved up into that upper card tier but I think Drew McIntyre is now the new golden child golden boy however you want to say it uh, like John Cena was like um, Roman Reigns was supposed to be and when you know Drew McIntyre comes out and cuts a promo you know, you believe that, oh, hey, he's this nice guy. You know, he's this, you know, good, charismatic champion. 
Um, he came out and thanked all mothers and wished them a happy Mother's Day at the beginning of the match. And at the end of the match, he, you know, put his belt down on the ring apron and came back in the ring and shook Seth Rollins' hand. So they're really building him up as a super good guy. So you can see maybe he's going to be the next face of the company. And that would be good. I think him and Seth Rollins can have a lot of good feuds down the road. But I think Drew McIntyre can feud with anybody. He's got great wrestling skills. He's got great microphone skills. He, When he sells, you really think he's hurt. Uh, you think that you know he's not going to come back from this. Oh crap, they're going to take the belt off him this soon. And then he comes back and wins. So, you know, it was a well put together match. Uh, both guys did a really great job. So that match was a good build up to the Money in the Bank match itself. The best match of the night was Money in the Bank. Um, I made a couple side notes here. One, I didn't pick up on it till the very end, but there was no commentary during the whole thing. It didn't hit me till the end because it was so captivating and entertaining, it didn't need commentary. So that was a good thing there. Um, there, you could tell it was pre-recorded because there were moments um, where the cameras slowed down into slow motion, uh, like little build the drama in the middle of a spot kind of moments. <clears throat> so I made notes of the match. Let me go through the participants with you. On the men's side... And these matches occurred simultaneously. AJ Styles, Baron Corbin, Otis, Rey Mysterio, Daniel Bryan, and Aleister Black. They started down in the gym. And it was really cool seeing the, uh, the gym at the WWE headquarters because it is one of... I mean, this is the same gym where Hulk Hogan and Mr. T used to work out. This is the same gym that Vince McMahon works out in every day. <coughs> they're like old, they're old-fashioned now, but around the top of the walls, like right below the ceiling, there are these neon lights that are you know, multicolor, but they go all all the way across, and then periodically there's a WWE logo in you know, funny colored neon lights. They're like red, yellow, and blue, or something like that. And it's it goes all the way around the gym at the top of the wall. Just something I remember from a kid, and it's still that way. Just the WWE logo has changed. Um, on the women's side of the Money in the Bank match, you had Asuka, Shayna Baszler, Lacey Evans, 
Carmella, who is way too hot to be with dirty, scroungy Corey Graves. Uh, you had Dana Brooke, who was my pick to win. And then you had Nia Jax, who, again, I said needs a makeover. On her Instagram and Twitter, she's been doing some, like, plus... I guess you have to call it plus size because she's so big. But she's been trying to post modeling photos... And I think her ring attire and her look need to reflect that. Um, I mean, her ring gear just looks like she's got some kind of a, a vest or flak jacket over top of black tights and a black shirt. Not very flattering. Uh, they started out in the lobby of the building. And... The wrestlers were, you know, introduced, kind of. Um, the men just came into the locker room one by one, and or into the gym one by one, and introduced each other uh, as one another were walking in. Uh, but the women had, like, a, a little actual introduction. And then everyone's looking around for Asuka, and next thing you know, Asuka, the camera, is you hear her singing or something. And she's dancing on a, a railing on a little ledge. It's, and I don't even know how she was keeping her balance up there, but she was dancing around on this little ledge. And it started out with her doing a diving splash onto the other women. So all the other five women are knocked down, and now Asuka runs to an elevator. And this has got to be like the slowest elevator ever because, you know, the rest of the women are running up and down or up these flights of stairs, and they're fighting their way through each floor. Meanwhile, Asuka is slowly making her way up the uh, elevator. So, my notes, I'll just go through my bullet points. Um, there was a barbell on a rack. Uh, probably like, a, it wasn't a squat rack. It was like uh, where you would do deadlifts, but not touching the floor. Kind of the isolate the, the lower back deadlift where it's on a rack and he took the barbell off the rack and it looked to have a, a good 500 pounds on it and it somehow AJ Styles got knocked to the floor and Otis sets this barbell on him and AJ's squirming trying to get out from under it he could have easily slid out from under it but he was really selling it like he was trapped under this barbell that Otis sat on top of him. Uh, and he even asked Ray Mysterio for some help. And Ray said, sorry, bro, you're on your own, uh, which is pretty cool. Um, then as they're running through the gym, they go through like the locker room changing area and you hear a toilet flushing. And here, Rey Mysterio catches Brother Love coming out of the toilet. 
uh, brother love comes out and throws his jacket over his shoulder and goes i love you and ray goes i love you too but i gotta get going and takes off and then you end up seeing you know brother love washing his hands a little public service announcement worked into it um then as the women are fighting their way through hallways and such Dana Brooks stops and asks Shayna Baszler, tell me where the briefcase is. Um, kind of made Dana look stupid. Like she didn't know that the briefcase was at the top of the building after they'd been running up these stairs. And, you know, the whole build up to the match, that's all you heard was they're going to fight on the roof of the building for the, the briefcases that are up there. So then Dana finds a clear briefcase that's full of money. And next thing you know, there's like a isolated shot, which was probably filmed at a completely separate time uh, of Stephanie McMahon. And she tells Dana... <laughs> tells her the real briefcase is on the roof and then she tells Dana to clean up the conference room and because Nia Jax is knocked out on the floor and she actually says clean this place up because Nia's drooling everywhere <laughs> this was freaking funny because <laughs> Steph said it with such a straight authoritarian face and Dana's just like hugging and caressing this, brief, this briefcase full of money. And if it were me, I would have said to hell with the contract for the championship. I would have kept the money and just left. But anyways, then uh, Carmella came out and hit Dana over the head with a painting that was hanging on the wall. And Dana actually ran around headquarters to another segment and she still had this painting uh over her head and was like resting on her shoulders and she's just walking around with the thing on uh like she was wearing it as a piece of her uh wardrobe uh then out of nowhere you had a cameo appearance by doink the clown he was hiding behind a chair and just kind of peeked his head out for no and that was his only appearance. Uh, I don't know if he was in there more and they edited him out. But you had a brief cameo by Doink the Clown. So next they cut to Paul Heyman sitting in front of a, a whole spread of food. And he's sitting there selling it like he's going to eat all this food. There's, you know, sub sandwiches, hors d'oeuvres, you know, chips and pretzels and everything like a buffet and Paul's just sitting there like he's getting ready to eat the whole thing and so everybody runs into the room uh, Dana runs in later with her painting still around her neck and Otis yells food fight and throws a tray of food at Paul Heyman's face and everyone else is standing there looking around. And then next thing you know, a food fight ensues. Um, from there, 
AJ Styles and Daniel Bryan fight their way into Vince McMahon's office. And they just kind of awkwardly stare like, oh, we just effed up. And, you know, and eventually Vince yells, get out. And, uh, you know, they just awkwardly, like, you know, look at each other and, what do we do? We're scared to death of Vince. And then they start to leave and AJ goes, the chairs, put the chairs back. And so they nicely slide the chairs that they knocked around a little bit. Uh, back under the desk in front of where Mr. McMahon's working. And then Vince very um, blatantly puts on hand sanitizer, even though he hasn't touched anyone. But another public service announcement, I guess. Um, and then I already mentioned, you know, there's the slow motion stuff that made you know that... Um, it, it was pre-recorded. A couple moments where, you know, people were going up for a body slam and they slowed it down. So you see the expression and you see the slam. Um, it was a good effect, but maybe you know it was pre-recorded. Um, then for... Okay, so we get... Finally, they get to the roof. And... Um, the moment of the night, they were, you know, all week it had been rumored somebody was getting thrown off the roof. And the thing about WWE headquarters is the roof has tiers to it. One tier is probably like, I don't know, five or ten feet higher than the other. But it's not like a level flat roof. Baron Corbin, nonetheless, throws Rey Mysterio and Aleister Black off the roof. So you get the impression they've been thrown from whatever it was, the eighth floor, all the way to the ground. And they never came back during the match after that. So that really sold that, you know, they'd been thrown from the top of Titan Tower. Um... So then Asuka and uh, Baron Corbin simultaneously climb the ladder that's underneath the briefcases. It's already set up. It's already ready to go. And for some reason, in his stupidity... Baron Corbin, there's two briefcases hanging there. Oscar is conveniently on the side of the ladder. <laughs> Pardon me. I'm burning unevenly my cigar. You know how much that bothers me. But Oscar is on the side where the women's uh, briefcases and Corbin is on the side where the men's briefcase is. So, why did he need to start fighting with Oscar over the briefcases when there are clearly two briefcases there? So, it ends up with Oscar kicking him off the ladder and he takes a bump onto the ring from the top of the ladder. So, Oscar unhooks the women's briefcase and she is your women's money in the bank 
ladder match winner. She has the contract. She can cash in at any time. Now, as I said before, last week on Monday Night Raw, they said that Becky Lynch was going to face the winner of the Money in the Bank match. So is that going to be Asuka's cash-in? Or is this just a non-title, you know, do you want to cash it in against me now? Or do you want to cash it in against me later? Or do you want to cash it in uh, against the SmackDown Women's Champion? Uh, who knows? On SmackDown, I think they're really building towards a big blow-up between... Sasha Banks and Bailey, uh, because during interview segments and things, Bailey will cut Sasha off when Sasha's clearly been asked a question and not let Sasha answer. And then Sasha looks perturbed. So Sasha, in her cunning ways, is uh, baiting Bailey along. And Bailey, of course, you know, is being the trying her best to be, you know, the bitchy women's champion uh you know totally counter to her wholesome good girl image and i think she does do well as a heel although most people don't but anyway oscar is your women's money in the bank winner um i already said baron corbin threw alistair black and ray mysterio off of the building so now we skip forward. You know, there's some rumbling going on with the men. Uh, it You end up with AJ Styles, Baron Corbin, and Otis in the ring. Uh, AJ and Baron Corbin climb the ladder. And just as they're getting ready to fight for the brief, they're fighting over the briefcase. Out comes, out of nowhere comes Elias and smashes Baron Corbin with a guitar, knocking Baron Corbin down. Now, at this time, AJ and Corbin had the briefcase off the hook, and they were having like a little tug of war. You know, it's mine, I got it. No, it's mine, I got it. I got it. It's mine, mine, yeah, yeah. And then Elias comes and hits Corbin with the guitar, which, of course, Baron Corbin attacked Elias a few weeks ago on TV. So this was Elias's revenge. Then I thought the first time I watched it, it looked like AJ had possession of the briefcase and then threw it at Otis. And Otis caught it. So I had to back it up a few times and see. Well, after you know Baron gets knocked off the ladder, AJ is now fumbling with the briefcase and trying to hold his balance on the ladder and the briefcase falls out of AJ's hands and into the arms of Otis who's standing on the mat. Now previously Otis had tried to climb the ladder and at one point the ladder, you know, there's the rung and then there are two reinforcing bars at an angle. Well, when Otis starts to climb the ladder, those reinforcing bars aren't there anymore. And so he breaks the first rung on the ladder. He gets frustrated. He tries to go to the second rung on the ladder. It breaks too. <coughs> then him and AJ started fighting. 
This was before AJ and Baron were fighting over the briefcase. So you see Otis cannot climb the ladder because of his weight, right? So Otis is down here at the bottom. AJ and Baron Corbin are fighting over the briefcase. I got it, I got it, I got it. Out comes Elias, hits Baron Corbin. Now AJ's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Am I going to fall off the ladder or am I going to drop the briefcase? And then eventually he drops the briefcase. Otis catches it and he he holds it up. I got it, I got it. And, and then uh, <laughs> the um, referee rings the bell and Otis is your Money in the Bank winner. So now he has a contract for a world title shot, which is really good. You know, he's like, yay, Mandy, I did it. You know, Mandy Rose is his girlfriend now. And it's really cool because Otis is this big teddy bear character. Um, and he, he's like one of those guys that's so innocent and backward and awkward. You, you like him because you feel sorry for him. But at the same time, you know, he had a great tag team in heavy machinery with uh, his partner Tucker. So now what happens, what do they do with heavy machinery? You know, when they were doing, they were a really great tag team. And they were making waves in the tag team division. And, you know, SmackDown has a good tag team division. But now Otis is in the world title picture. And I think, you know, it's going to be interesting. You know, when does he cash in his, his money in the bank? Uh, on Braun Strowman? Or, you know, does he wait until The Fiend wins it? Uh, you know, how does that play out? You know, um, there, there's just so many ifs, ands, and buts because uh, the WWE cannot have fans in the arenas. So you're really getting the feel from social media as to what the WWE is going to do. So with that, that was the Money in the Bank pay-per-view review. Uh, I give the Money in the Bank itself, that match, five stars. I give the rest of the card about a three star. Um, it was good overall, but it wasn't great. The Money in the Bank match was just so entertaining. They did such a good job. Uh, people are going to be talking about this tomorrow. And I think the views that it gets tomorrow will be better than the number of watches it had live. Um, I don't have time to talk about The Undertaker, unfortunately. Uh, but The Undertaker series is going to be great. Uh, I was really impressed with what they showed and what they showed in the previews of what's coming up. It's a five-part mini-series, or they say five-chapter uh series on the undertaker's last ride so could well be next wrestlemania i think undertaker goes into the hall of fame 
and has his last official match in WWE. Uh, Michelle McCool, his wife, is still hot, smoking, gorgeous. Um, and so, you know, I think he's going to ride into the sunset and just have a family life um, and stop these once-a-year appearances. Um, and maybe... <coughs> I'd love to see him do something... <coughs> behind the scenes, you know, bringing up and developing other new wrestlers. So that's all I can do for now. Good night. Pray for each other. God bless you. And I will see you on the next video and podcast.